Hey, I'm Carrie Taylor, and welcome to the Cash and Carry podcast. Today, we're tackling an invisible and expensive problem in our homes. It's food waste. So if your fridge is filled with good intentions, but you still manage to garbage your groceries, this episode could save you big money. Plus, we're gonna unlock our food wasting habits and learn how to cut the cost and be more sustainable. I'm talking to behavioral scientist, Angela Cooper. She's an associate at BE Works, and she has the recipe for cutting food waste. Hey, Angela, thank you so much for doing this. Food waste is like my favorite topic of all time. Um, I've been writing about it on my site for over a decade now. So it's amazing to get a behavioral scientist to talk about some evidence-based strategies to reduce the amount of food waste in our house. So I'm very excited to be here and to talk about this. It's a really, really fun and interesting uh, project that I got to be a part of. Well, okay, so how big of a problem is food waste? Like what's going on in our homes here? It's it's pretty big. Um, I'll tell you that uh, over $30 billion of food is wasted per year. And about half of that is occurring in, in people's homes. We might think it's, oh, you know, it's the restaurants or it's, you know, uh, the grocery stores. But, you know, we as as consumers and as as homeowners, we're the culprits in many respects. Um, and so Canadian households on average waste about over a thousand dollars per year. Um, and the really tragic part of that is over 60% of that food is edible. So it's, this is what we call avoidable food waste. Like this is stuff that is possible to be eaten, but maybe it just doesn't look as nice. You know, it's a little bit shriveled or not kind of the freshest looking stuff. And that, that stuff is what gets tossed. So um, I think just one like of the, this. yes, exactly. Just like the sad banana, which is the sad still, banana. It still has use, but you know, a lot of people just, they have a, a, an aversion to it. And so this has a massive environmental toll. I mean, in Canada, uh, over 2 million tons uh, of CO2 is produced from food waste, um, which is about the equivalent of 2 million cars on the road. Um, and there's been some research that's shown that if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest uh, CO2 emitting country in the world after the China and the US, just from like the food waste that we produce. So it's a pretty big challenge. It's a pretty big problem. So we're throwing out over a thousand dollars worth of food per year. Yeah. That's incredible. That's, I did some math. That's, that's $92 a month, $21 a week and $3 a day. Yeah. That's astounding. What foods are we throwing out? Um, some of the, the biggest culprits is uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, so tomatoes and those cucumbers and onions and things like that. Uh, bread is also a big, um, a big category of food waste, bread and grains and things like that. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that these are things are relatively cheap. Things like meat, which are, is very expensive, you know, we're careful with. We want to make sure we use that up. But, oh, you know, that 50 cents for half an onion or whatever, it's, oh, you know, you don't, you don't think about it as much. And so it, it's much easier to just toss it. So those are the big categories anyway. I always think of my fridge as being filled with good intentions, yes. right? I, I, never, I never go into a grocery store thinking, gee, I'm going to buy all this delicious food today and just throw it out two weeks from now. Yeah. Why are we doing this? So I think the real, the real challenge about food waste is that we can't really point to a singular root cause. Food waste is 
the result of a complex chain of different behaviors, everything from how we shop, how we plan, how do we store, you know, what do we do with our leftover ingredients? Um, so all of those different behaviors conspire to result in food waste. But, you know, there's been a lot of research in this area trying to sort of pin down, like, what are the factors that really lead to food waste and, and research that we've done as well. And some of the key factors that we pulled out and then subsequently used in our, in our own work is the fact that we have a tendency to forget what we have. So as you say, you know, we have these good intentions, we stuff our fridge full and then just forget what we've got, you know, it gets buried in the back or in our freezers. Um, and we just don't realize so you, you kind of pull something out and go, Oh, I've got that, you know, pack of, of tomatoes that I need still need to use up. You forget. Uh, another key factor is that, you know, we're often not always able to figure out what to make. You know, we've got, we, you know, we, that, that feeling of opening up your fridge and just going, it might be stocked full, but you just like, what do I, what do I do with this? You know, particularly when you're dealing with what, you know, we often call these left behind ingredients, things that, you know, you might've bought ingredients to make a meal, but then you've got leftover celery stalks or half an onion, or, you know, like, what do I do with this, you know, motley crew of ingredients? And so that can be a real barrier for people to just be like, I don't know what to do with this. So I'm going to go to a new recipe, go shopping, get new ingredients, start fresh. Right. Um, and another big factor is, as you say, looking at that sad banana aversion, people have sensitivities to food. We, you know, we don't like dealing with things that are maybe a little bit wrinkly or a little bit sad looking. We we're just, we want to feel like we're eating the freshest things. And these all really contribute to, us being kind of have a tendency to throw things away. Um, and another contributing factor is how much we throw away of, in, of food waste in a given week is relatively small for a, a particular person. It's like five to six ounces uh, per week. And so we don't really think about it as really that being that big a deal. Uh, it's, you know, maybe half a potato here, you know, a little celery stalk there, but the, the problem is that it, it accumulative uh, food waste is the real is the real problem. It's aggregated over millions of people, and that's what we lead to these these massive numbers of, you know, tons and tons of food waste. Um, and so we we think it's sort of a oh, it's not really our problem. We're not contributing too much to it, and so we feel licensed to continue doing it. Another issue I have found that's come up when I've interviewed people about food waste is they feel virtuous in the fact that they compost it. Mm -hmm. right? They're like, oh, Carrie, it's not a big deal. I compost all my leftovers, right? And I said, but that doesn't solve the problem because yeah. all you're doing is making really expensive soil, right? Like it's, we have these little tricks that we, we hide the food waste to make it seem mm -hmm. like we're, we're more virtuous about it. We haven't done anything wrong. We're kind of, you know, money laundering our food waste, I guess, yeah. in the compost bin. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy how we do all these things to make ourselves feel better. Yeah. You did this huge study with uh, Unilever Helminths mm -hmm. and you worked with a company to tackle food waste. Can you tell me about this study and what that was like? Absolutely. No, this was a, was a massive project and a really kind of a brave endeavor uh, for Hellman's to, to, to collaborate with us because it was, it's been over the course of a, a year now. We've been doing testing and, and, and trying out different things and, and really gathering a lot of evidence to support what this program, this behavior change program should look like, not just sort of coming in with like, I have an idea, 
like, no, let's really gather evidence and, and try and find like, what's the best idea? How this study worked, uh, the, sort of the final study that we did was we recruited over 900 uh, Canadian families. So we, we specifically targeted families with children uh, because there has been a wealth of research that's shown that you know, they're kind of the culprits or one of the culprits in terms of food waste. I mean, a lot of it has to do with just the number of people in your household. The more people you have, the more waste you're gonna produce. Um, so we recruited 900 families. And then came the challenge of, well, what kind of program should we design? What sort of interventions should we uh, provide people? And so I, I mentioned earlier about this food journey, this chain of behaviors, planning and storing and food pre preparation and all that. And you can go, well, where do you, where do you start? Is it planning? Is it storage? And so what we did was sort of think about this journey as into two categories. You have kind of prevention. So how do we prevent excess food from coming in? And that's you know, better planning, trying to curb over-purchasing, things like that. Those take a lot of top-down cognitive resources. It takes a lot of mental energy to plan and make sure you're doing the right thing. Yeah, because you need to make lists. You need exactly. to go through your pantry. I need to go through my fridge. And, and these are the kind of things I've advocated people do, you know, plan ahead before your shop. Absolutely. But that's not always the best approach you've found. Yeah, no, I think, and I, you know, it's not to say that that if you can do it, that's fantastic. But, you know, what we decided and through some of the, the um, kind of foundational research that we did before we started this project is let's focus on what we call recovery. So how do we recover the food that you've already got in your home? And basically we're saying, you know, planning is great, but the fact of the matter is we're human and things are going to fall into the cracks. You know, we don't always follow through on our plans. So let's help support you for those moments when life gets in the way. And so we developed, we had sort of two hypotheses that we were interested in and that it's related to the, the two factors that I talked about earlier is, you know, how do we help people not forget what they have and how do we help people figure out what to make with what they have? And so okay. we tested a couple of different um, tactics or interventions. So for uh, this idea of rediscovery, we had a bunch of interventions designed to help make people see what they have in their fridge a bit better. I mean, very simple things like, what if I send you a basket that you put in your fridge and any kind of little piece or left behind ingredient that you need to use up, like a little piece of onion or celery straw, put it there so it's all in one place. Pretty simple. So, so something like this. <laughs> Basically, a bowl. just stick it in a bowl in your fridge in so your you fridge. see it. So we okay. tried that. We had a, a whiteboard, you know, just sort of make a list of on the outside of your fridge of what you need to use up. Uh, same kind of concept. And we also had clips. So just tag brightly colored clips. You could very easily see them and just tag the food in your fridge so your eyes go to them. It's just about increasing salience. That was one hypothesis that we had. And salience is being like the visibility. So okay. sort of so it brings it to top of mind. So when you see this bright colored clip, you're like, oh, your eyes go there and you go, right, need to use that onion. So it's something to kind of make you remember what you've got. Basically. Right, it's hard to miss the bowl of odds and ends and fruit exactly. and vegetables right in my face, right? right? It's like, okay, there it is. There it is. Now We've reduced all the friction. I have to come to terms with this bowl <laughs> of fruit now. <laughs> no, yeah, that's the next stage is like, well, I'm oh. staring at this bowl of fruit but now there's still that challenge of well, what do I do with it? And so that was the other half of what, what we tested was how can we help people figure out what to do with it? 
And so what we did was we kind of leveraged uh, behavioral economics and behavioral science and this use of heuristics. So this is, you know, a mental shortcut um, to help people think differently about the food that they have. And so it's what we called a three plus one approach. And so how it worked was step one is find a base. These are like kitchen staples, like rice, bread, tortilla, pick a base. And then step two is like, okay, grab the things you need to use up, fruit, veg, things like that. Pick a protein if you want. And then the plus one is add a magic touch. So that's, you know, your sauces, of course, we're working with Hellman's. So that's your mayonnaise, you know, you've got your spices and herbs, something for you to put your personal stamp on. That was the, the, basic, the basic heuristic, which was designed to help people just think a little bit more flexibly because recipes are very constricting. It's like you need this specific set of ingredients and if you don't have them, well, you got to go to the store. And so this was meant to kind of encourage people to substitute, swap out. And so we provided this, this, this formula as well as kind of example, flexible recipes. Like, you know, we can, we had a quick and easy wrap that was just like, oh, tortilla, fruits and veg, you know, pick your meat and then your magic touch of mayonnaise, for example. And so we had a bunch of different examples for people to sort of help them learn, learn the approach. Um, and so that was another kind of um, intervention that we administered to, to families. So families sat down, they were told, okay, today we're going to do this 3.1 system where yep. we're going to take the base, special yep. touches, use up yep. what's in the fridge. Yeah. And so it, the, it was that simple. Yeah. So the basic, the program that we administered to people was just asking them to select a weekly day that they would use up what they needed to use up. And then we give them, hey, here's this approach to help you do that on that day. So on this day, here's the three plus one approach. Look what you got, make a meal uh, and use, what, use up what you have. A use up so, day. Yeah, Is there a more popular day of the week families you found did this? Like people, Fridays before the grocery haul on the weekend or? Yeah, people were pretty spread out actually in terms of, because I think people vary in terms of when they go to, to do their shop, their weekly shop. So people were pretty, pretty well distributed across the week in terms of when they chose to do their, to their, to do their use up day. So, okay. Um, yeah. And so that, so that was the program. So some people got this sort of flexible, only this flexible thinking approach. And then others also got one of these tools, this, this little basket or these clips to see, you know, does, does adding that extra visibility help even more? Um, and so then each week, we would send them a, a survey to kind of collect data on their food management behaviors, like how much do they shop, how much do they waste, so we can get to see, to track over time, because this was a five-week program that they... So did families have to, to have to like weigh their food waste, or did you, did, were they dining with a behavioral scientist, or um, was it all an honor system? <laughs> it wasn't an honor system. Um, there was a lot of work that went into deciding what's the, the best way to measure food waste and and there's pros and cons to all of them because we knew this was going to be a long program. We wanted to make it as easy as possible for people. So it was a, a scale that we took from the literature that's been validated. People fill in and they, they estimate different categories of food waste, you know, grains and fruits and veg and things like that. Um, and yeah, so they would report each week, you know, how they were doing in, in the program. Oh, I'd rather dine with a behavioral scientist. That would be amazing. Can you no. imagine? This was during the pandemic also, so, you know. Can't, can't. I, I hear you. 
<laughs> I hear you. So did you find that, that these changes were easy for people to do at home? Like, I'm just wondering, did, did the changes stick? Is this something we can do um, that you found work short-term or was it working long-term as well? Absolutely. So I, so I should say what we found at the end of the program, the sort of the, the main findings was that the, for those that received this flexible thinking approach, they managed to reduce their food waste by a third uh, on average. Third. Third, which was one of the biggest reductions actually that's been reported. So we were pretty excited about that um, and excited about the simplicity of it. Because as you say, you know, we want to make sure this is something that has some legs that people can continue to do. And we actually followed up with, with these participants two months later and to see, just to ask them, you know, are you, what are you doing with this? Are you still doing the behavior, you know, the use up day and that kind of thing. And actually about 80% uh, reported that they were still doing some kind of use up day or making this kind of use up meal. Um, and about a third of them are doing it still on a weekly basis. So that was really encouraging to see that even without us talking to them, I mean, these were people who were participating in like a market research panel. So, you know, they're incentivized um, to, to participate even after that was all gone, you know, they were still continuing to, to engage and, 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 and do these sorts of behaviors. So uh, a lot of the, you know, the questions that we asked them at the end of, you know, how easy did you find this? Uh, did this make you feel more confident in the kitchen? And the majority reported that this was something that was very easy to do. Uh, it made them feel more resourceful. Uh, it made them feel more confident in the kitchen. Um, it made them see more meal possibilities from what they had. Um, which is really what we wanted. That was the crux of what we wanted was to make people feel more resourceful. And that was kind of one of the, the really interesting aspects about this work and this program and thinking about, you know, sustainability initiatives in general is that this was not actually pitched as this is a food waste reduction program to these people. You know, they didn't really know it was about food waste. This was about, we want you to be more resourceful. We, we want to solve a problem that you have about not knowing what to make. And so it wasn't about, you need to reduce your food waste for the environment. It's like, no, let's just, let's fix a problem that you've got is not knowing what to make. And the downstream impact of that happens to be, it actually helps to reduce food waste. And so I think that's the, the power of the program is tackling a behavior or behavioral challenge that people already have, rather than trying to convince them that this is something they should do. Um, like this is important for the world and for the environment. Right. Because shaming and blaming people we know works really well, yes. <laughs> right? Like yeah. making people feel really, really bad about this. I mean, the other thing is doing the math. If, if they're cutting their food waste by one third, they're saving mm -hmm. about $367 a year by doing this. Yeah. And I, I thoroughly believe that um, sustainable consumers save money. Yeah. And this is just, you know, reinforcing that with evidence and science-backed research so like yeah. that's that's almost four hundred dollars and that's just if you're do doing one-third reduction yeah. if you can do 50 percent you're looking at closer to five to six hundred dollars saved not yeah. going to waste and for canadian families american families too for that matter that's a lot of money that could be like a whole month of groceries you know give or take a week so that's significant and that's from something very simple. You know, I think one of the, the really interesting things about this program was it, is its simplicity. It's not, you know, we got some newfangled gadget or a really complex procedure that we need you to do in order to, to help reduce your food waste. It's just about 
let's give you just a different way of thinking about what you've got. Just a, as I say, this mental shortcut and just picking a day that you're going to decide to use it. And that's it really. Um, and just doing, I mean, it's about doing it diligently week to week, but you start to get into that habit of like, yeah, okay. You start to see your food differently. I'm like, oh, that's a good base. All right. What do I got that I can add to that? And you just start to, it's math, you know, it's food math in a way. So and the families with kids didn't have issue with this. Like I have a daughter at home and um, I like to blame her for all the food waste in the house because they're picky, right? They're hungry one minute. They're not hungry the next. And then you end up with all these leftovers. Like, did you have a system for dealing or learning to love our leftovers? Well, I mean, oh, I see with, with cooked leftovers. With yeah. Cooked like all that stuff. Like that's the stuff I can never give to my daughter because she's just... She turns her nose about it. I'm like, it's great. Leftovers are my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, we didn't tackle that specifically in this project because we were dealing with kind of leftover ingredients basically. But um, I mean, the same principle really can be applied. And I think one of the, the challenges for children with their picky eatingness is that they see it as the same meal. And so it's sort of, I don't want to eat the same thing. And so maybe it's about transforming it into something new, like creating a new meal out of, you know, you've got, let's say uh, some leftover burgers or something like burger patties that you didn't use up. So maybe it's about chopping them up and putting them in a taco, for example. So then it's just a new reincarnation of something so that for kids, it's like, oh, this is a brand new thing. It's not the right. same old sad burger that I had for two nights in a row. Um, so right. Or add some cheese and some magic sauce and, exactly. and off we go. Yeah. So looking at all the behavioral science behind this with the, the three plus one system, why does this work for so many families? Like what is it about the steps and you know, the behavioral science key behaviors that, that really helps families waste less food? I think it's a couple of things. Uh, the first of which is just the simplicity of it. You know, you're not asking people to do you know, multiple different behaviors. It's, it's just a simple, formula that's very easy to recall um, and memorable. Um, but I think it's also thinking about the behavioral science of it. It's, you know, we as people uh, rely on these mental shortcuts or heuristics in our daily lives to make decisions and figure out what to do. It's in every domain, finance, from finance to what you make for dinner. Uh, it's all types of decisions. And so what we're able to do is leverage a type of shortcut that we already use these these types of shortcuts and just give you a new one uh, so sort of we're leveraging their our people's ability to do this to rely on these types of shortcuts and then just substituting a new shortcut that's actually helpful uh, for helping people to reduce food waste so i think i think part of its impact is that it's it's really helping people to rely on something that they already do anyway in terms of i just need to i need something to fall back onto we, we, we often, when we're stressed and you think about, we're dealing with families, with children, they're time strapped. They don't have the energy to think about things. They need something simple to fall back onto a simple rule or a simple rule of thumb. Um, and that's what this gives them. It's just like, I just need, when I look at my fridge, I need something simple. Okay. Remember, think base, think what I have, think, add this, throw in a magic touch and you're good to go. And so I think that's Part of the power of this particular program is that it's it's simple really are these steps that you're able to are are you doing these steps at home too like did you feel inspired after seeing these results absolutely i 
working on this project for the last year, I've been so hyper-conscious of, of the food that I produce and how much I waste. And, um, and so I've, I definitely, I shop differently as well. I, I, when I'm looking in the store, I think about bases. I'm like, oh, that's, that'd be a good base. I should make sure I have that, you know? And so it, it, it does kind of shift how you look at things. I think that's, that's part of the appeal is it's not a very top-down kind of prescriptive program. It's really a bottom-up kind of approach where it just, it's just about a mindset shift. You know, it's just about kind of recalibrating how we look at food um, as to not be components of a recipe that you are required to fill up, but more looking at a kind of, as I say, bottom up of like, this is what I have, what can I do with it? And here's a, a way of thinking about it to help you put, pull things together uh, in interesting and creative ways. Is there anything else we should know that you found or anything behavioral science related that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I think maybe the one thing to kind of end with is, is thinking about, you know, I think a lot of people are daunted by trying to change their behavior, particularly things like food waste, or, you know, we asked questions uh, about, you know, how much control people feel over their food and, and their kitchen and, and often it's not high. People feel like, I just don't, I have no way to do anything about this. Like I recognize me, they may recognize that I, I know I waste food. I just don't see a way out basically. And I think one of the, the wonderful things about behavioral science is that it teaches us that there are certain strategies to help kickstart behaviors like this. One of them is, is, is a great, it's called foot in the door. And it's just it's about a small behavior. You know, it's, it's often used in sales and things like that. Just get people to do something small to start. Don't ask for the big ask right up front. Don't overhaul your life. It's not practical. We're never going to do it. So it's just take a small step, get that foot in the door, that wedge in to, and that will start to kickstart, a, you know, a, a sequence of good behaviors and, and, and good habits. And that's sort of what this is. It's, it's just a foot in the door of like, let's get you started with just one day a week something simple, use what you have. Um, and then that can sort of snowball and lead to well, maybe another day that you do it or other good behaviors. Maybe it leads to, maybe I'll shop a bit better now that I'm aware of what I'm doing or oh, maybe I'll make a better plan. But it's just about starting something small um, and that can be incredibly powerful. I mean, we saw, you know, a small, a small change can lead up to a third reduction in food waste. So you can imagine what could happen if you did more. Starting, stall, starting small is not inconsequential in terms of the impact it can have. Thank mm. you so much. Um, I appreciate so much of your time, Angela. This has been absolutely amazing. Where can we find you? Where can you find me? Um, I, well, I'm at, I'm at BE Works. Uh, so I'm, I have a LinkedIn page. You can find me there. Um, but I'm happy, you know, happy to talk more if anyone has more questions. Um, people, people feel free to reach out at me, reach out to me, I should say, uh, if they have questions. And now I want to hear from you. Is food waste an invisible problem in your home? And are you shocked with the amount of money we waste? I want to hear your insights in the comments. Now, because the best conversations happen over at squawkfox.com, head over there and leave a comment right now. And please subscribe to my email list to become a Squawk Fox Insider. You'll get my free budget bundle and priority access to all my science-backed content in your inbox. Thank you so much for joining us on the Cash and Carry podcast, and I'll catch you next time.